We're going to be reading from Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Lord, we thank you that your word is true, that you have qualified us through your Son to become saints, to be inheritors of your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that by your stripes you have delivered us from the bondage of this world, the domain of Satan and of darkness that you've transferred us into your kingdom. What an honor, Lord. And we pray this morning that we would understand what it's like to walk worthy of that work that you've done in us. Lord, help us to take your word to heart this morning, to be convicted, to be encouraged and strengthened Cause your Holy Spirit to speak through me. Lord, cause my words to be honoring to you. Lord, help the children here to hear your words even this morning. Bring conviction and change of heart, Lord. Open our hearts. Lord, help us to be receptors of your word, not just hearers. Help us to apply this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. A couple of years ago, uh, me and some of my brothers, we went to Colorado, and we were crazy enough to hike a tall mountain. Um, we started at midnight, and the reason why was because if you're up on the mountain after three, you're likely going to get soaked, and the weather just gets really nasty. So we started at midnight, and we walked seemed like forever, <laughs> um, up and out of the woods and into the, above the tree line, and we finally made it to a boulder field that seemed like an eternity. It was actually worse coming down. <laughs> uh, but every time you would come over a rise of these boulder fields, there would be another long section of boulders to climb, and eventually you make it to what's called the keyhole of this this trail, and at the keyhole, there's actually a building where we rested <clears throat> for a little bit, and that had actually been built because somebody had nearly or had died, I can't remember, up there, and from there, the hardest part and the most treacherous part of the trip and hike started, and in, in that hike, from there on, there were targets painted on rocks. So it's pitch dark. 
were on the side of a mountain with headlamps on. And there's little targets, yellow in the center, red on the outside, painted on rocks. And the goal was to go to the target you see closest to you. If you miss the target, you could go off the side. And so somebody had gone before us and painted each stone in succession so that if we followed the targets that were there, we would end up being safe on top. Sounds very scriptural, right? Christ went before us and he painted the way. He made a way. He showed us the way. And the problem is oftentimes we are not walking worthy of his call because we are ignoring his directions. If any one of me or my brothers had decided, well, I think it's going to be faster to go this way. Well, just so you know, it was a cliff that way. Everything to the right was a cliff. And if we had decided that we knew better than the person who had gone before us, who had hiked the trail, who had successfully surmounted Long's Peak, then we could have lost our lives. It just makes me think of sin. Sin is missing the mark, right? It's missing the high mark of God, the the holy mark of God. And this morning's message is titled, A Worthy Walk. A Worthy Walk. Paul, in this next session, he's still talking about his prayers to to God for the Colossian church. And I think there's two things that we take from this message. One, how we should pray for one another. And secondly, what a worthy walk looks like. What a walk, what every Christian should be doing. This is not abnormal Christianity. This is normal Christianity that Paul is talking about. This is the normal Christian walk. So Paul, in his prayers for the church at Colossae, says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. We saw that, remember, in the beginning of verse 3. Never ceasing to give thanks to God. This is, again, a, a call and a, 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 a explanation of Paul to say, I am constantly giving thanks to you. Not just when it's convenient. I'm actually making a commitment to pray consistently for you. Not all the time. He's not saying every second of every day. He's saying that I am consistently praying for you. And what is it that Paul is praying for? Is it that they would be wealthy? Is it that they would have power over the world? Maybe. But to have power in the the physical realm? Be powerful people? Is it so that they would have fame? No. What is it that he prays for? He says, to pray for you and to ask. Ask whom? To whom is he praying? God, the Father. To ask that you may be filled with 
What? What what is it there that we see? The knowledge of His will. That's what we see. The knowledge of His will. When we know His will, we will not fall away. Just like these targets painted on the rocks. This is an actual picture from that that hike. This is looking downhill. They had targets going both ways. As believers, we must know His will, not ours, not what everyone else thinks. So Paul is praying that they would have a knowledge of His will. This is essential to our Christian walk. We cannot get to the place where we're walking worthy of Him if we do not know His will. The question is, how do we know His will? Paul gives us a clue. Right? Because he says, I pray that you may be filled, not just partially, but overflowing Filled with knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual is defining both wisdom and understanding. So, where does this wisdom and understanding come from? The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. This is what Paul is saying. Look, if you want to know the will of God, you need wisdom from the Spirit of God and you need understanding from Him. Where do we get that? Psalm 119, the Word of God. That's why the psalmist was so delighted in God's Word because he knew that in his Word he would find spiritual wisdom and he would find spiritual understanding and he would know the will of God. That's why God's Word is so important for us. That's why the church for centuries has been translating the Word of God into languages that do not have it yet. That's why men like John Wycliffe and... Um, just forgot his name. Now, I forgot the other... Tyndale. That's why they were willing to die to translate the Bible into English. This understanding that God's Word is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is illuminated by the Holy Spirit. You want to know God's will? Stop running to everyone else. That doesn't mean that God can't use people to speak His will. But we need to run to the Word. Because that's where we will encounter spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is not the wisdom of this world. We're seeing what the wisdom of this world looks like, right? It is foolishness. It doesn't make sense. As believers, it seems completely irrational. Why? Because 
Our life is based on God's Word. But when the world has no foundation, when they have nothing to stand on, they, their foolishness truly comes out. What we thought was common sense is not common. It is biblical. Wisdom from God is not common, but it is found in the Word of God. And we, as believers, can know His will. Paul knows, as we should, that when we have the knowledge of God's will, we will do what He says. We will actually honor Him. Let me use a, a situation. Let's imagine that a husband and wife are trying to communicate what they want to do on a trip. The husband loves his wife, and his wife loves the husband. But as long as they don't understand one another and know the heart of one another, then they're going to be frustrated their whole vacation. Right? Because the wife's going to be like, well, we, all, we just need to go shopping. No offense to you women who don't like shopping. But let's all go to uh, Nordstrom and all these shopping plate malls. And, and the husband's like, man, I hope they have a tool, tool place there or something. Maybe they'll have some nice uh, work shoes or something. Or, or the opposite, the husband decides he's going to plan the trip. And he's, what's he doing? Okay, we're going to fish on the way down. We're going to maybe play some golf. We're going to um, go watch a NASCAR race. You know, you name it. I, I don't know what, what you, you like. But <clears throat> the problem is, Though you love one another, if you don't know one another's will and desires, then in the end, you won't please one another. Right? That's why communication in marriage is so important. But as believers, God has given us His Word to expressly show us His will. And He uses His Holy Spirit to speak to us. Not only through the Word, but as a an illumination of the word to us. I was listening to a book, a really good book. I would highly recommend. It's titled Evidence Not Seen. If you haven't read it, it's about Darlene Dibler. And she and her husband were in a prisoner of war camp in um, Indonesia during World War II. And it's amazing to hear her testimony and the constant times that she was praying to God, asking for something, and God would give her a different answer. She'd be like, I don't know. And then God would show her in the Word why He did it. And she, oh, if only I had thought of that before I prayed for that. And there's constant times that, it's incredible the story of God's faithfulness to her. The fact that she even survived is Incredible. Um, but that, that whole idea that when we know God's will, we can go through anything. We aren't afraid because we know that God is with us. 
When we love someone, we, we seek to know their will, what they desire, what they want. And this is really important because when he says knowledge of his will, this word will is also translated many times as the word desire. You know, imagine if I, uh, on our anniversary, decided, you know what, I'm just going to go on a fishing trip. Or a hunting trip. Who knows what it is. And I, I said to Megan, I know this is what you would most want me to do on our anniversary. Do you think that would be the right thing to say? <laughs> Well, let, let's flip it the other way. What if, what if I showed up and, and I had a tux on and, and uh, a dozen roses and I said, Honey, I, I, thought I, sh- I, f- I feel like I should do this for you. Like this is what I, I have to do. Would that please her? Why? I mean, it's what she wants, but am I doing it willingly? No, I'm just doing it because that's what I'm supposed to do. So as believers, it's not just about knowing God's will, it's about doing it from the heart. That's when spiritual understanding and wisdom comes into play. It it transforms our heart. It no longer becomes a burden to serve the Lord because we know what God has done for us. So knowing His will is extremely important as well as having a heart to do His will. So Paul wants them to know the will of God to be filled with the knowledge of His will. Why? Why does he want this for them? And why should we want this for one another? When we're praying for one another, I've got a, a, a list of names that we, I would like us to start praying for one another during the week. And, but if we're praying for one another, what is it that Paul is seeking to see in their lives? Well, look at verse 10. He says, so that... Remember this from Romans when we were doing Romans? This is the reason why he wants this. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. If we do not know the will of God, we will not walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Do we walk like Him? If we don't know His will, we will not. We will not honor Him. We will not follow those targets. Because we think we have a better way. But when we begin to know God's will, and we begin to see in our lives the truthfulness of God's will, and the faithfulness of God's will, then we begin to say, I don't care what else I see, I'm going to the target. It may look easier over there, and bypass meadow, you know, Christian, Pilgrim's Progress. Right? He went over in the meadow. He's like, oh man, this the grass is green and soft underfoot. Let's go over there. What what did that lead to? Despair, doubting castle. 
It looked like the same, it would lead to the same place, but it was not. But when we know the will of God and we begin to experience the faithfulness and the joy of being in His will, nothing will make us want to be out of that. Darlene Dibler, at the end of her story, she said something along the lines of, I would much rather have been in that um, prisoner of war camp where she and the other women and the men suffered greatly. She lost her husband. I would much rather be there and in God's will than anywhere else on the earth. How many of us can say that about the situations or circumstances that are going on in our lives? If we are in the middle of God's will, we should be experiencing joy instead of mourning. Yes, that doesn't mean that we don't have troubles, that we have issues where we don't understand what God's God is doing. She had multiple situations where she was ready to throw in the towel, but at the end she saw God's faithfulness. She saw Him constantly answering her prayers in ways she could not believe. It was so different for her because I just want to share one story from her her life. She she had developed a relationship with the leader of the prisoner of war camp and he was a ruthless man. And when they told her that her husband had died, he was surprised that she wasn't just hysterical. So she had the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this ruthless, hateful man. And even forgive. Well, fast forward a year, I think a year and a half to two years, she's in jail, or she's in the secret police jail on death row. And... She's crying out to God. She saw these bananas through her window. And she said, Lord, I would love a banana. Just one little banana. It's all I want. But I don't know anyone who would bring me bananas. No one would ever bring me bananas. I mean, the guard wouldn't because though he's a nice guy, he's Indonesian. If he gives me a banana, they'll kill him. If the lady at the front desk, same thing. These these uh, guys who are interrogating, they, they would not, there's no way, God, that you could get me a banana. That's what she says. Next morning, she hears a commotion outside. And guess who came? Yamaji, the leader of that camp. Guess what he had with him? 99 bananas. 99 bananas. She, could, she couldn't even believe God for one. And God said, Oh, you don't think I can get you bananas? 
God had a put she had placed that desire for bananas in her heart and she asked for it, but she's like, I don't even know God, it's not possible for you. I, I'm not gonna ask. And God did. He gave her more. And it was down to the last banana when she was taken out of that prison back to the camp. And that man became a believer. That man went back to Japan. His whole life transformed. And he preached over radio in Japan because of her witness in the midst of suffering. That is walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. It wasn't easy. If you read that book, you'll see. But when we walk with God, when we hear the voice of God, will we follow Him? Even if it means losing everything we have, losing the ones we love the most, that's what happened with her. She lost her husband. They were fairly newly married. She was only 26 when she came out of that camp. But she saw God's faithfulness through it all. Do we want to walk in a way that pleases God? This is a question we have to ask. That's, this is the, the central focus of why Paul is praying this prayer. He wants to see them walking in a manner that is worthy and pleasing to God in all things, right? See that? He says, to please Him in all respects. Or wholly pleasing to Him. If you want to translate it literally, it's to every type of pleasing. Do we want our lives to be so surrendered to God that every aspect of our lives is pleasing to Him? Our, our life at home, our life at work, our life at the grocery market, our life on the interstate, our life at the restaurant, our life at the, at the, the tool store. What about with our customers? What about with all these things? Do we have that desire in our heart? This is why Paul wants them to know and have a full knowledge of the will of God so that they would walk. Not necessarily run, but that they would walk, that they would live in a way that honors God in every aspect of their lives. You say, well, how, how do I know my life is this? How, how do I know that this normal Christianity is actually mine, that I'm actually living this way? Well, Paul doesn't leave us without words. In the next couple of verses, he gives us four participles. 
And these participles are defining what a worthy walk looks like. The first one is bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. If you look with me, you see that at the end of verse 10. So he says, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit. How? How is he bearing fruit? In good or in every good work. He's not just bearing fruit, but it's fruit in every good work. It's interesting that we, when he was talking at the beginning of his prayer, he talks about the Word of God bearing fruit. What is that referring to? It's referring to souls being brought in to the harvest. But here he's talking about actual fruit in your individual lives. How the Word has come in. This is an internal fruit bearing. But it also leads to external fruit bearing. That you are actually making disciples of Jesus Christ. That your works are giving glory to God. That's fruit bearing. You may not see all the fruit. I was watching an interview lately with... Ray Comfort. And someone asked him, well, you know, how many people have you, you saved? And he said, well, I haven't saved anyone. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. My, goal, my call is to share the gospel. But, but then he said, you know, I really don't know all that God has done through me. But my responsibility is to plant the seed, water the seed, he gives the increase. That should be our life. We don't stop sharing the gospel because, well, no one seems to care what we have to say. No, we continue to share because we never know when that seed will be fertilized by the Holy Spirit and bring forth fruit. Is our life bearing fruit in every good work? Or is our life being producing Good works, not of our own ability, but through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Are we bearing fruit? Does our life proclaim that God is bringing forth a harvest in it? Are we fruitful? Second, oh. A worthy walk, a, a normal Christian walk, is one that is growing or increasing. Right? You see there at the, ver- at the end of verse 10, he says, increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. It's interesting, it's the exact same word that he uses earlier on. I was trying to find it. I, there we go, in verse 6. He says, It has come to you just as in all the world also. It is constantly bearing fruit. What? The Word of God. And increasing. It's very interesting how parallel these passages are. The Word of God is bringing forth fruit in the world, and it's increasing. It's multiplying. It's growing. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, 
growing or increasing in the knowledge of God. So as you are walking in that worthy manner, what what happens? You start bearing fruit in every good work and, and you increase in the knowledge of God. Why? Why would we increase in our knowledge of God as believers? Because we're walking in His will. We begin to see the truths of Scripture. It's not enough for us to get all this head knowledge. Well, I know how to walk like a Christian. Well, have you ever taken a step? No, you haven't. Well, then how do you know that you really know the Lord? Because in both these cases, knowledge here is what the false believers are pushing forward. Right? Look with me quickly at chapter 2, verse 23. He's speaking of wisdom, but it's also in reference to knowledge. He says, These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. All this mystical knowledge that they're pushing on you It is useless. The only knowledge that is true is knowledge that is of the Lord. The only wisdom that is valuable is spiritual wisdom. It is not some mystical wisdom that you work up. We need to know God. Not what this world says God is. We need to know Him. And if we don't live a Christian life, if we do not walk with God, we will never truly know Him. He's called us to abide in Him, to walk with Him. Remember what He said? What Jesus said as He was talking about Him going with us? That in this world you will encounter trouble, but do do not fear, for I have overcome the world. And then at the end of Matthew chapter 28, he says, Don't worry, I'm asking you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then what does he say? Fear not, for I am with you unto the end of the age. God does not call us to walk in a bear, a fruit-bearing way, which, what would fruit-bearing be? Making disciples. Going out. Living a Christian life in the world. And making disciples. We're not to do it in our own strength because Jesus is walking with us. He's already gone down the path. He has painted targets for us to see, oh, that's the right way to go. And we see that in His Word. Are we increasing in the knowledge of God? Not just head knowledge. I'm talking about experiential knowledge. The Christian life is a cycle, I believe. We learn about God in the Word. We begin to 
take it by faith and live by it, and then it becomes even more real to us. And then He teaches us something new in the Word. And then we, we begin to act on it. We begin to live by it. And, and what happens? Then we get to go know God better. But if we are unwilling to take the step, if we're unwilling to walk the walk, we will never honor Him. We will never be bringing Him the glory and we will never please Him. Jesus said, or in Hebrews we see, well, look with me there. Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, sorry, verse chapter 11. Looking in verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. We know this very well, right? For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Faith requires action. As believers, if we say we have faith and we cannot and do not and refuse to have works that reflect that faith, what does James say? It's nothing. It's useless. We are not justified by works. That is true. But a faith without works is dead. But you want your faith to grow? Begin to walk with God. Begin to listen to His voice. Begin to go to the Word and and to, to hear His voice and begin to know His will. Walk in His will and see how your faith grows. I promise you, if you will walk according to His Word, by the power of His Holy Spirit in you, you will see a transformation in your lives and in the lives of those you live with. Not may not be immediate, but it will transform. People cannot ignore people who live what they believe. Because what's going to happen? If we truly believe God's Word and we begin to live according to it, we will not only honor God and please Him, but we will impact this community, our, our families, our friends, the people we encounter every day. Because they're going to look at you and say, how in the world do you have hope? You just, you just, get, you just had that awful experience. You know why that, that Japanese general or major, whatever he was, who was the head of that camp, had believed Darlene Diver, you know why he did? Because she had been through the worst and she still worshipped God. That's what faith is. Can we go through the worst that God allows for His glory? Who knows the number of people who were touched by that man's testimony in Japan, a very dark nation, spiritually speaking. 
We don't know. But God had a plan. And in the midst of a world war, He brought her and him into a situation where she could be a light in a dark place. That man was cruel. He was wicked. But God had a plan for his life. And if she had been unfaithful, there would have been no fruit in his life. But she was faithful. She kept walking with God. She continued to turn to the Word of God for her strength. So the normal Christian life, the the life that is walking worthy of, of Christ, bears fruit. It's growing, it's increasing, and it's equipped or strengthened. Verse 11. Strengthened, strengthened with all power. This is a very interesting thing. But it's, it's this idea that it's, it's equipped with full power. There's no governor. That, that car is going as fast as possible. If you know governors on cars... It's like driving down the Audubon. It doesn't matter how fast you go because there's no speed limit. So you can go full power. Interestingly, this word that's translated power here is only used of God. Only. There is not a single instance in the New Testament where where this word is used to describe human power. It is always used to describe the power of God. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, strengthened with all power from God. What's he saying? That we as believers are equipped to overcome the enemy. We are equipped to have power over the devil through Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul is praying for them. Man... I hope you pray this for me. How would you have liked Paul to be praying this prayer for you? How would you like someone you know is a man or woman of faith to be praying this prayer for your life? That you would be strengthened with all power. Not so that you can bring glory to yourself, but so that your life is honoring God. That your life is pleasing to Him. So that when you stand before Him, He will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Oftentimes we don't think we have the power anymore. We want to quit. It's easy to get in that place where quitting sounds so much easier. I don't have the strength anymore. I don't have the vibrancy I once had. I'm I'm getting older. You're looking at me like, really? (laughs) Come on. Yes, it takes me a lot longer to recover from normal athletic activity than it used to. (laughs) It takes me a lot longer to recover from helping somebody with a roof or flooring even. I still don't know how Mr. Lanham did roofing for that or flooring for that long. God's mercy and grace. (laughs) 
He was strengthened with all power to do that. But as believers, God strengthens us. Right? We, we know in Isaiah it says, Mount up on wings like eagles, the, the young men and the old. When we turn to Christ and He has transformed our life, He gives us the strength we need. There were many times, again, going back to Darlene Dibler's story, where she was ready to quit, where she was emotionally, physically, mentally weak, but because she had a relationship with Jesus Christ, He gave her strength to go on. And this is not just a story like hers. This is a story of every believer. How many of us have been in those situations where we were ready to give up? We didn't have strength anymore. Whether it's a physical trial, a a relationship, a a loved one. Maybe some of us are walking through that moment right now and we we need to be strengthened. Well, we're going to have an opportunity to pray for one another in this way. I would highly encourage us to use this template as a means of praying for one another. Because this is God's will. You think it's not God's will that we would know His will? That we would have the spiritual wisdom and understanding to know His will and that we would walk worthy of Him? God has equipped us and strengthened us with all power. In what way did He do it? It says here, according to His glorious might. Wow! Not according to the glorious might of Russia or or the United States or China or or whatever powerful country we live in or is on the rise. God's glorious might. It is an endless might. It is a might that has no end. It is infinite. That is how we're strengthened. Through His glorious might. Why do we need this strengthening? Well, he says, for attaining of all steadfastness or endurance and patience. If we are not strengthened by the power of God, we will not endure. We will not have patience. I know that personally. <laughs> I, am, I thought I was patient. And then the Lord blessed me with five beautiful kids who taught me that I was not patient. And if it weren't for God, I would be even more impatient. But God is gracious. We've all encountered people in our lives that draw every ounce of patience from us. But God is faithful to strengthen us so that we can learn to endure. So we don't give up. So we hold fast and continue to walk. Lord, I don't know where this this road is going right now, but you said to keep walking. You said to keep following you. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait on you. God doesn't give us power just to make us famous or wealthy. He gives us power so that we can keep following Him. 
I remember on our hike, some of my brothers, well, all of them were probably in better shape than I was. But they were patient with me. We had to take more stops than they would have. They probably could have been up there an hour earlier, especially a couple of them. But they were patient with me, encouraging me to not give up. I would have if I had been alone, but something about brother uh, rivalry of, of sorts, not that I was in a, in a competition, but I couldn't be the one that didn't make it because I was the older one. But that encouragement helped me. It strengthened me. And as believers, we need the power of God. We need His power to encourage us to keep going, to not give up, to be patient, to wait on Him. It may seem like, well, I don't know how this trial is going to end up. I think it, my mind is telling me it's not working. God says, hold fast. Don't give up. Keep pressing towards the mark. He has here at the end, joyously. Most translations put this with the word giving thanks. I don't know where it should go, personally. I've seen both arguments. I think it can apply to both. But steadfastness with joy and patience is quite incredible, right? When you have patience, you have joy. You're not struggling. I'm not saying you don't struggle. But God is encouraging, do it in joy. I'm with you. I've, enc- I've, I've encountered all this before. See that target there? Just keep going. It may not seem like you're going to get there, but I'm there with you. I'm walking with you. I'm going to strengthen you. Do it with joy. Finally, the fourth characteristic of a worthy walk, of a Christian walk, is thanksgiving. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. Giving thanks to the Father. This... This is a result of a knowledge of His will. When we are encountering difficulties, we don't understand what God is doing. We give thanks because we know He knows what is best. Again, I go back to that story of Darlene Dibler, and there was a moment when she was leaving the island where she had been imprisoned for over four years. And she said, I'm never coming back here again. I don't even want to look back. She, she felt bitterness dwell up in her. And then she began to hear a commotion behind her. And she started to hear the people behind her singing a song that she had taught them about Jesus. And she couldn't not turned back and she turned around and just started weeping before God. 
And she began to thank God for all that time on that terrible place. And she said, finally, God, I know you're going to bring me back here. And she did. She ended up remarrying and going back to the, I don't think she went to that specific island, but going back to that place and being a light to those lost and dying. She realized that when she said, Lord, I will follow you no matter what the cost. She didn't realize what the cost would be. But she realized that God had called her and knew the cost that she would have to pay. But he strengthened her in his power. And so she began to give thanks to him in spite of the difficulties. In spite of the hardship. That's the difference, really, between nominal Christianity and normal Christianity. If you can give thanks with joy in the midst of trial, that is the difference. Because there are plenty of churches out there that are promoting health, wealth, and prosperity... And they never talk about the hard suffering that comes with following Christ. I do believe that God provides our needs. I believe God heals. I believe many of those things that those guys talk about, but they never deal with the fact that if you never suffer, as Jesus said we will, all who live godly will what suffer persecution, not get everything they want. But when we suffer with joy and thanksgiving to God, that's when the world says, you know what? That person's the real deal. That's why that general, that camp leader who was wicked realized that the gospel was the truth. Because he saw someone who thanked God in spite of the hardships she had gone through and was going through. And why do we give thanks to the Father? Because we're qualified by Him and in Him. Look at this. He says, giving thanks to the Father. Why? Who has qualified us? How many of us were qualified to follow Jesus before He came to our lives. I don't know anybody in here, no offense to anyone, but none of us deserved to enter into His kingdom. But He qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. What a beautiful encouragement. We did not deserve the inheritance, but what is it who inherits something? Is it a stranger? Do enemies inherit from someone? No. Who? Children. 
children inherit. So what's he saying? He's saying he's qualified us to be sons. That to me is quite worthy of our thanks. Another motivation to live a life that is worthy, to walk in a way that glorifies God. But that's not all. Not only has He made us sons and given us an inheritance with the saints of light, but look in verse 13. For He rescued us or delivered us from what? From from what? (coughs) From the domain of darkness. The realm of darkness. This is very much like medieval imagery that brings to mind. I just imagine a knight going into a dungeon and pulling me out and bringing me in to the domain of His kingdom. Because God didn't just make us sons and inheritance. Well, you'll have to wait till you get out of uh, purgatory to come enjoy your inheritance. No, there's a part of inheritance now. Because God has brought us out, rescued us from the domain of darkness, and He not only rescued us, but He transferred us. He brought us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. All this is what God has done for us. This should awake joy and and gladness, praises. This is why we should be giving thanks in the midst of trial. Because we're no longer in the domain of darkness. It may feel like it at the moment in that trial. But He is faithful. Because He has not only done that, He says, in whom? In whom who? Who's whom? In Christ. In whom we. Who's we? Is that us? Okay. In whom we have redemption. What does that mean? What does redemption mean? It means that a price was paid to redeem us Christ paid a debt that we could not pay. He redeemed us just like Hosea did his wife. He redeemed us and gave us the forgiveness of sins. I don't know what else we could ask for. This is the Christian life. This is what the Christian life does. The question is, are we bearing fruit? Are we increasing and growing in our walk with God? In our knowledge of Him? Our experiential knowledge of Him? Are we walking in the strength that He's given us? In the power that He's given us? Are we being equipped Are we giving thanks? 
It's a, it's a hard question to answer. Because if that is the case, we will know Him and His will. We'll walk in Him. And we'll walk worthy of Him. And we'll be qualified in Him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that each of us would have a heart to see this prayer come to pass, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of our brothers and sisters here. I pray, Lord, that this would stand as a template to our prayers for one another. I pray, Father, that I would have this heart for every single person in this room. For brothers and sisters elsewhere, Lord. For churches that we have association with. Lord, I want to see healthy, growing, strong, thankful, fruit-bearing believers. Because, Lord, I know that no matter what trials come, if we know Your will, if we are strengthened by You, and we have the wisdom and understanding that comes from Your Spirit, we will honor You and glorify You and encourage one another. Build us up, Lord. Strengthen us this day and encourage our faith. Help us, Lord, to walk in a manner that is worthy of You, pleasing in all things. We thank you for this, Lord, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.